This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're right back. We haven't left. In the span of the last 30 seconds, I have outroed the show, said, okay, I'm going to edit this right back in. And then now we're back to the show. We're back with uh, Sam Wiles from Paul or Nothing. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first part, why are you listening to the second part, you absolute sadomasochist? It's because they want the gossip on my least favorite album, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm oh, sure we'll get, oh. we'll get into that at some point. <laughs> um, did, 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 did we have any? Uh, did we have a format going? Or, yeah, we're just going to keep oh. on with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, digressional format we're going through. Yeah. Well, th- those are the best episodes, I feel. Yes, I've got a couple of them that I just had to abandon the title and just go a conversation with Ken Michaels because it just oh, went nowhere. This quickly. one, I'm, I'm, I've done that once before, uh, but this one it'll still fall under the fans on the run banner because I've already done the artwork. Oh, the artwork is amazing. I, uh, I uh, sneak peeked a couple of my friends on my Instagram story with that, and my gosh, they're brilliant. Uh, Obviously, people listening to this now will be looking at the second one. Yeah, uh, is that for is, the uh, this? No, is that for the young boy I single? Think was it? I think it's the world tonight. It's one the of world them. tonight single. One oh. of them. They all look the same, just slightly Obviously, different color palette. It's all come out recently. The flaming pie stuff. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's great. I, to be I'm looking that forward way. to it because. I, I spent a hundred bucks on an original copy of Off the Ground, and I don't want to have to spend another hundred, hundred and fifty on an original copy of Flaming Pie. So now I'm happy I can get the two LP version for forty nine ninety nine. Wow, is that is, is that how much a original Flaming Pie would set you back regularly? You have I to saw, go back. To... I saw one once for a hundred fifty that I thought was a good deal. Yeah, some days you would pay for that, but some days you wouldn't, I take it. Yeah. I can't believe how much you cost. Oh, I'm I'm glad he, you know, I feel like in the past few years, McCartney's kind of gone a little overboard with the archive stuff and his releases. Like, Egypt Station was a clusterfuck. Uh, You have the album... You have the album that was exclusive to some stores like Target. Then you have like, oh, the colored vinyl ones. Oh, you have the one that comes in this accordion sleeve. Oh, you got the Traveler's Edition. Oh, you got the digital exclusive. Oh, you get the suitcase. <laughs> Look, let folks, let's all just admit now, like adults, that it's just a con to get Paul to the number one spot and cheat the system. Like in the way that you know, my Mark Lewison Hornsey Road episode is one of my most downloaded ones because the words Mark Lewison yeah. are in the title. And if you pre-order eight different versions of the album of Egypt Station to one address, that's eight sales still. It's not just going to count the number of people who buy it. Yeah. And it artificially pushes Paul up. And a bit like Winston Churchill in the first election after World War II, the, the, you know, there was a massive drop-off in the first week after uh, Egypt Station hit shelves, and it was oh, yeah. probably down to like, number eight or nine or something I, like that. I bought exactly one copy of Egypt Station. 
I bought the bare bones vinyl version, not even the like cool accordion one. Cause I didn't want to spend the 20 extra bucks. Um, because I couldn't be fucked, you know, <laughs> it's not a good album. It's not. <gasps> oh my word. Just wash your mouth out with soap and water. Young man, respect your elders. What's going on? Oh, go and it's... drink battery acid. You have... uh, ha- happy with you, Domino's back in Brazil. For you. For Come you, on to me. Come on, baby, now. Bump. It's classic McCartney. If you don't like him being lame and dorky, then, you know, you're not along for the full ride, I feel. But like the I, thing that really irritates me is that for Record Store Day last year, they come out with this uh, Home Tonight. Oh, terrible. So, Two terrible songs. Oh, are you fucking with me? I thought those were better than anything on the Egypt Station album. And so many people over the Atlantic have said the same thing. And no, the best songs that were left off the album were Frank Snatcher's Party, Nothing for Free. Oh, I also and... forgot to mention the Egypt Station Travelers Edition, <laughs> which I think had four different versions of its own. At least, at least. Uh, can't, can't forget um, 62nd Street, which is a cracking little tune as well. Um, even though I am a big fan of Kanye, uh, the auto-tune on Get Enough was even enough for me to not be quite taken by, by that track. Sadly. You don't like auto-tune on modern solo Beatles releases. I take it you aren't a big fan of Ringo's output. Um, I, I don't listen to Ringo albums. I don't have enough time as it is. And I don't have enough energy. <laughs> the best Ringo song is Living in Hope. From the by by the Ruttles, that's probably the best ring ringer song that there is. Yeah, apart from, hope. apart from the haunting ballad when you find the girl of your dreams in the arms of some Scotsman from Hull. <laughs> the haunting ballad. Man, I've. <laughs> Like, I love Ringo. He's one of the most influential drummers of all time. You know, without him, there wouldn't be putting towels inside of bass drums and stuff like yeah. that. And putting tea his towels on your is... toms. Yeah, like, you know, in the sense that Seinfeld isn't funny because it invented all of the comedy tropes. A lot of people might not see Ringo as being that inventive, but that's because yeah. he invented... All that basic stuff. That's that, yeah. That, that's that's just him bop, bopping his head in the background. Yeah. And who you know? Can we just appreciate the fact that he was, you know, by you know a large margin to be the most popular Beatle for quite a while in many circles. He was in the states at least. Like he yeah, was the well, most popular Beatle. And you know the fact that he loved country music and western. Probably yeah. helped a, a, a massive way with that. Yeah, unless, although that album, what's it called? Boku's a Blues, god awful. Yeah, again, this has been parroted before this opinion. I like the Ringo album. I like bits of Goodnight Vienna, and then the rest can <laughs> quietly sit in the corner. I don't like Photograph, quite con- controversially. Loads Ooh. of people love that tune. It's fine. Do you like It Don't Come Easy? That's fine. It's fine. It's It doesn't particularly rub me the right way or the wrong way. Gotta be a The thing is, I think I like Goodnight Vienna so much because it sounds like a John Lennon 
uh, oh, thing. Shamelessly so. Shamelessly like, it, so. It reminds me of, you know, especially the title track. It reminds me of whatever gets you through the night. Oh, you mean the worst Lennon song? Oh, fuck off. Like anyone who says that they that they can do the theme or the tune from that, or the melody from that song is either a savant or a liar. It's just it just it doesn't exist. And whatever gets you through the night, it's alright. Like it's awesome. Lennon and Elton John, that should have been a much better outcome. Like, in the way that people look at Ebony and Ivory for Paul, I view whatever gets you through the night in the exact same way. Oh, man. 100%. See, this is why you have a Paul McCartney podcast. Well, yeah, because I like quality and quantity. I mean, I I don't know how Glass Onion even had the courage to start a Lennon podcast. How many albums did he put out? Like, seven? Six? Something like that. That's that's incredibly brave to try and stretch out a show that in that way. For me, I mean, why I'll, would you I'll, start a podcast about anyone other than the guy who did the soundtrack to Rupert and the Frog Song? Oh, I mean, Lennon didn't do Thrillington. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna remake one of my albums and just remake <laughs> it just like a month after I finish it. Because it's that good. Yeah. And thank God he did, he did it with Ram and not something like... He did it know, with his best solo album. A hundred percent. Okay, that we can agree on. That we can agree on. Which, Ram is, which is, is, is me, easily... Yeah, go on. This, this can bring me to a question. What is your favorite Paul McCartney album? <sighs> or I'll, 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 I'll break it up into two categories. What's your favorite Paul McCartney album? Or, you know... Okay, wait. Well, favorite okay, Paul McCartney album, favorite Wings album, and favorite anything else. So it could be Fireman, Orchestral, what have you. Well, in the other section, it has to be Twin Freaks. <laughs> Twin Freaks is easily one of the most reinvigorating albums in McCartney's entire discography. I mean, we've just mentioned, you know, <laughs> Thrillington is him recreating a lot of his old songs, but this is him literally building them back up from the ground in incredibly interesting ways, especially like Live and Let Die, which is just when you were young, over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, Mumbo is a track that what I, I detested for the longest time, and then I heard it on Twin Freaks, and my opinion was completely reversed. You know, the, this album is so funky and experimental and interesting. It, it, it is able to rejuvenate so many of those. I need tracks. to. I need to familiarize myself with more of the Fireman stuff because the only Fireman Same. album I own is Electric Arguments. Same. Uh, it's it's definitely a part that you know, as someone who. You know, I want to get onto McCartney too in a moment, but you know, as someone who likes the weirdest stuff in McCartney's oeuvre, it's definitely mm-hmm. some of the most uh, fertile ground to explore, shall we say? Some people think McCartney is, you know, the sappiest, uh, you know, dullest solo music, but he's also got the most experimental stuff out of all of them. No, if you believe McCartney's nice, boring beat, then you, you just haven't been doing your homework. Again, a lot of other people have said this, but albums like McCartney 2, which might be my favourite, um, it might just edge past Ram. Even though Ram is objectively better and has better songs, yeah. like the 
Oh, maybe a better phrase might be, I prefer the McCartney 2 sessions most of all. Yeah. Um, more and more as I go through the show. I I'm, mean, Check I'm My Machine this. wasn't on the album. No, but it was on the very expensive, oh, no, no, um, Secret Friend. Yeah, it was the B-side to Waterfalls. Then you got, like, Secret Friend, the B-side to Temporary Secretary. Um, but then you got, like, the Richard Niles version of Blue Sway that came out. Uh, on one of McCartney's more recent orchestral albums, like so much of the McCartney Two era is, it's just the most fun I've ever had listening to a brand new McCartney album. It's just so different, and it predicts so much of the musical scene that was about to come from the era. And he never gets enough credit for that. He never gets enough credit for being weird and strange and no. funny as well. Like so, so many of his songs have such a unabashed joy to them like no one else could have got away with everybody bogey bogey everybody come on how can you how can that not put a little smile on your face Mm -hmm. and even some of his most annoyingly experimental tracks like Krina Craw you know they're still interesting to, to talk about even if there is little to no musical joy to be had no so what's your favorite wings album Wings. Uh, I'll, I'll consider, you know, Wildlife through Back to the Egg. What's your favorite one of those? Well, Band on the Run's been overplayed in my life too much. I can't, cop, I can't quite call it the favorite anymore. Um, wildlife and Red Rose Speedway are definite soft spots in my in my love for McCartney. There are so many tracks where I'm just I'm just powerless to them. I've listened to them so many times, and in so many different contexts. Favorite Wings album? It's probably Wildlife, you know. It's the one I, I go back to all the time and really? I listen to it in full. And I like an underdog story, and it's the ultimate Wings underdog story. It's Paul, you know, releasing an album whilst chopping his left hand off, which is his mastery of the studio as an instrument. He's just going to go in there, do a, a couple of, you know, Bob Dylan-esque quick takes and release whatever may come. And so many of, you know, McCartney's other albums feature brilliant mistakes. And this is an album full of brilliant, if somewhat misguided, mistakes. I hated Mumbo at first. I can't live without it now. Take it, Tony! It's just all over the place in the most fun and exciting way. You can't be bored listening to Wildlife. Maybe, you know... I can. Six minutes into Some People Never Know, maybe. I can be bored listening to Wildlife. That's not a hard task. What's wrong with that? Nothing, you know? Yeah. And what is your favorite McCartney, McCartney album? Not Wings, not with the Firemen. Well, I mean, my favorite McCartney and Linda album will always be Ram. That's yeah. me make you know, that's me making sure I get Ram on the list. Well, there's only one. <laughs> You can uh, hear you, you can hear the wheels in my head turning in real time. Definitely, as I just get that. <laughs> it's probably going to be McCartney too. I'm probably going to choose McCartney too. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's. De- I I, it's I agree so with fun. you there. It's that tied with Ram. And the cover photo is fantastic. I love the the inner sleeve to that album, where you see McCartney's kid just tugging on his t-shirt, and you. I love the familial aspect of Paul McCartney. I love that very welcoming. I do too. You know, this is this is me. This is my life. You might not like it, but 
Oh, no, I like, like it. With some acts, them being rich beyond your wildest dreams is quite off-putting. Like, I can't I can't listen to a Bob Geldof or yeah. uh, U2 album without that kind of like, eh, so much of this is kind of weird. And, you know, Paul d- doesn't always get away. You know, songs like Name and Address uh, kind of feel a, a little bit tone deaf. Yeah. But, you know, something like Mrs. Vanderbilt, it sounds like you're just there on the beach at the start of Jaws in a campfire, you know, sing along with Paul McCartney. It's so fun. <laughs> and when you listen to McCartney too, you feel like you're just sat in his front parlour while he's messing around on a four-track Struder. There's nothing like it. <laughs> so, what is your favourite Paul McCartney song? Oh, that this is so difficult. Song that isn't temporary secretary. Secretary. Um, where do I begin? What's my favourite one today? Uh, my favourite song today would probably be something like Atlantic Ocean, Take One, from the Phil Ramone sessions, because it's, you know... Oh, wow. Because it's fresh, you know, it's like... You know, in the same reason that Old Brown Shoe could be my favourite Beatles song today... Don't get too ahead of yourself. You know, just in the sense that whatever's fresh and newest in my mind, that's the one I'm going to be most excited about. Songs that I return to, though... This one from Flowers in the Dirt, Pretty Little Head, Press to Play, um, Through Our Love from Pipes of Peace, absolutely brilliant song. Um, Ballroom Dancing, always had a soft spot for that one. Like, there's at least one song from each album that I could quite easily defend to the death and say is my favourite Paul McCartney song. Um, More Smooth and the Grey Goose, I've talked about to no end. Power Cut. From the Red Rose Speedway medley, uh, I Am Your Singer, uh, the fantastic Paul and Linda duet. You probably don't like that one, but oh well. Um, That's not bad. Maybe I'm amazed, overplayed as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've just heard it too much. Which one do you like better, live or studio? Studio, 100%. The live version is all over the place and he changes it unnecessarily, but no one else seems to agree with me on that one. Here's another one. I, I don't understand why people like this but do you like the studio or live version of coming up oh the live version's awful and i know i can't believe it even got like i I would have just been happy with lunchbox odd socks as the Mm -hmm. b-side like oh cool a little bit of venus and mars piano noodling from paul count me in i'll have some of that but no we've got to have right at the end it seems so self-serving and so much of the end of wings is paul like doing cruel things to the band like you've got to be on my next number one single as a b-side and you've got to be in the wonderful christmas time music video and you've got to do a ringo album and you know you've got to you've got to be on mcgear and a linda album you've got to do all these things you know do it and then, you know, I'm just not going to do a very lucrative Japanese tour that would set you all up for life. I mean, thank God Paul didn't do that Japanese tour because then, you know, Lawrence Duber probably wouldn't have to come on all these podcasts, you know? Yeah. Lawrence, if you're listening, and I know you are listening, you should come on the show. Lawrence, you're the nicest man in podcasting. You, you can reach me at fansontherunpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I will be waiting for your reply. Day in, day out. One of my most embarrassing moments was talking to Lawrence, and I called 
I was like, oh, you know that song of yours that didn't make it? Cage. I was like, oh, shit, no, it's Maisie. Oh, no. And he pointed it out, and I was like, I'm so sorry, Lawrence. I'm so sorry. And just as, as a little aside, Maisie is an absolutely fantastic track that he remade on, on one of his later instrumental albums. Cracking little, little, little tune. Don't know if I could have the heart to take off um, Baby's request, but it, if you want to get, you know, talk about getting rid of again and again and again, the Denny Lane track, I reckon Maisie could have fit on back to the egg 100%. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite Beatles song? Oh, wait, shit. I forgot to ask my other side of the Paul McCartney questions. What's your least favorite Paul McCartney song? Oh, least favorite Paul McCartney song? Probably When the Night from Red Rose Speedway. Okay. It's just annoying. And when I first heard him say... The moon was beautiful and yellow. I was like, oh, God, the word fellow's going to come in the next 10 seconds. I can, I can just feel it. It's one of those awful Paul McCartney rhymes. And true to form, made him a happy fellow. 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 Like, oh, no, Paul, this is the ultimate you phoning it in type track. Yeah. Uh, the note you never wrote has always stuck with me the wrong way. Um Again and again and again, it's quite rubbish, as is... Do you have um, any controversial opinions, like songs that other people like that you can't stand? Oh, I don't like the Rockestra theme. I don't like... Really? Um, no, uh, no More Lonely Nights can go suck an appendage. Uh, yeah. Um, so many of his famous 80s singles I'm not a big fan of. I'm, I'm not all that taken aback by My Brave Face. I think it's fine. Uh, Back on My Feet and Once Upon a Long Ago are dreadful... Um, but then you know there are so many tracks of his that people cannot stand that I've got a little, a little I've got a little soft spot for. Cook of the House is amazing. Oh, that's a great song. It starts off with bacon being fried. What more do you want from a song? Get you hungry. Uh, I I love. I, to be fair, I love so many of the terrible Linda tracks. I love uh, Seaside Woman, New Orleans. Wide Prairie. I love all those tracks with a with a passion. What's your least favorite album? McCartney album. I'll lump the three categories just into one. Unless it's too hard, in which case you can pick one of each. There, there hasn't been one that I've actively disliked with all that much vigor. Driving Rain? Um, haven't listened to it yet. It's not part of my chronology yet, I'm afraid. Oh, you're going to get there. Off the ground, haven't quite got there just yet. Um, it would probably be something like Wings at the Speed of Sound, perhaps. Just something that really hasn't stuck with me. Something that I don't listen to as an album. I'll just pick out the songs I like from that. Um, possibly, yeah, I'll probably go with Wings at the Speed of Sound. Um, for some reason, I never seem to connect with Venus and Mars. And then just suddenly I was like, oh... It doesn't have to be banned on the run part two. Yeah. And then and then you could enjoy it for what it is. You're like, oh my God, this actually might be in the, in the top three of Wings' whole discography. So, least favorite album, Wings at the Speed of Sound. I don't think that's that controversial, do you? Uh, no. I don't think If so. you're a massive fan of Wings at the Speed of Sound, email me at paulmccartneyporter.gmail.com. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get an email from Paul Sally. 
Oh, look, 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 Jimmy was great, but the album's yeah, he, fine. He's coming on the show. He's coming on the show. Well, make 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 sure to ask him about um, the thing that didn't happen in that book by the author that we don't talk about. Was it which in is a, that book, or was it in another book by a I separate author? It's mentioned in, in at 100%. Okay, don't say the name, because I'll have to say Oh, no! You'll have to bleep that out. I will. I will. It was oh. in... <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Oh, you fucker. You know, um, if we can do it, we can save the day. It's not about global warming, people. It's about Trump. Let's all admit that. Come on. I love that, Paul. Yeah, um, despite repeated warnings off Egypt Station, the, oh, yeah. an album that you didn't particularly connect with, no. uh, the penultimate track, despite repeated warnings, yes. is clearly all about Trump. It has to be. Yeah. And I love that Paul wrote a song that is actually quite overtly political for once. Yeah. I, I, I mean, did like that one. He's probably going to end up doing a song called, like, you know, Close Down Wet Meat Markets in a, f- in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a few years now. You That'll know? be on McCartney 3, released later this year, recorded during lockdown. If he doesn't release that, it's going to be such a such a blow to everyone's perception of what of what he does in his in his spare time. Oh, no, he's written Hey Grand Dude 2 instead. <laughs> hey Grand Dude 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, where, you know, Grand Dude goes to the Ewok planet in Star Wars or something, oh, you know. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, it's going to test the way these, and these are the sand people. You know, they travel in single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, we don't call them sand people anymore. We call them Tuscan Raiders, actually. Uh, frozen Tusk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is Although your... Fro- Frozen Tusk could also be a Fleetwood Mac reference as well, but... <laughs> Fleetwood yeah. Mac Christmas album. <laughs> I'll, I'll quote John Mulaney. Fleetwood Mac of Rumors is an album made by and for people cheating on each other. <laughs> I, I, I believe they were going to thank their drug dealer in the liner notes of that album before he mysteriously died. That's another little conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps the record label before had he him accepted. Offed. Before he accepted a teaching post in Australia. Mm, perhaps. Yeah. The plot thickens, you know. Perhaps Mal Evans knows what happened, you know. Yeah. Whoever the Ruddles equivalent is of Mal Evans. <laughs> Nothing will make me laugh more than Leggy Mountbatten. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and his autobiography, Cellar Full of Goys. Yeah. The Ruddles, a legend that would last a lunchtime. Yeah. The Ruddles... A living legend. A living le- legend that will live long after lots of other living legends have died. Have died. Oh, I can quote God. the entire scene with the Michael Palin... Um, Chasing the car. The Derek Taylor character. Oh, my, that's but, so funny. Yeah. No. Uh, the conjecture. Uh, reports of the theft are greatly exaggerated. Uh, and there's like a giant bear being yeah. wheeled off in the background and stuff. I, I won't lie. Things have gone. Uh, the odd car belonging to the company has uh, vanished. One morning I'd come in to find that my office had been nicked, but I found <laughs> out that was by Ron Decline, who had been brought in to stop this sort of thing. Yeah, it's so it's so weird before you find, like, as an English viewer, before you find out that there is an SNL connection. Yeah. You're like, what the f- Dan Aykroyd's in this? Bill Murray? Bill G- Murray the K. Jim Belushi's in this? What the heck is going on? Yeah. 
and then, of course, you find out that Lorne pretty much got that one little skit from Rutland Weekend te- Television mm-hmm. uh, financed. Good on him. Yeah. Like, he, w- they were originally going to do it for BBC Two, but Lorne Michaels said, no, you'll get more money if you do it for NBC. Of <laughs> course. So they based it out of New York, the production. I mean, Another Day, not the McCartney version, but yeah. Another Day by Neil Innes is genuinely one of my favourite Paul McCartney songs. I Must Be In Love is one of my favourite Beatles songs. I feel good. I feel bad. Oh, it's brilliant. That, that, that 12-string riff. Oh, God. <laughs> Never, nevertheless, is a, a great George track as uh, well. It is. It's that- not my cup of tea. Great little joke as well for those who watch the film. In this day and age, love is all <laughs> the rage. Oh, but the fact that Bob Dylan introduced them to tea. Oh, yeah. oh I mean. Yeah, I have had oh, tea before. Lots of tea. Indian tea. <laughs> And biscuits. <laughs> I can't believe Paul was upset with his portrayal in that in in that film. It's it's like Yoko's portrayed as the daughter of Hitler, and she laughed it off. Yeah, I think my favorite part was uh, Barry had also spent uh, or time in bed. He spent a year in. I don't remember what the quote was. Trying, trying, trying to start a Barry's dead rumor. Ba- a Barry is also dead rumor, <laughs> or advice from a particularly bad accountant. <laughs> his 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 original full name was Barry Womble, but had to be shortened down to Barry Wom. <laughs> Love it. It's probably the best Beatles documentary ever made. And I've I th- said I that... that before. I've said that. I've sent it to people saying, "Watch this, and you'll get it." Yeah. And I think George Harrison said that as well, that it's the best thing ever ever made about the Beatles. And he's he's really not wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, Get Up and Go, you could just cut that into the new Peter Jackson documentary, oh, okay. and it would fit perfectly. And then, uh, how familiar are you with the second Ruddles album, Archaeology? Now, I've, I've flicked through it, and then I read that a lot of them are just Neil Innes songs that I've like, sang in Ruttleese, essentially. That's put me off slightly. Don't put, don't let it put you off. It's a really good album. Okay. It's yeah, a lot of them are really, really good. Is Shangri La on that album? Yes. Yeah, I like Shangri La. That's a very good song. But again, that happened with the original Ruddles too. Like Blue Suede Schubert, I think, started off as just like a Neil Innes song. Oh, I was, I was thinking of Goose Step Mama then. I was thinking of... Goose Step Mama. Again, quite a little... It's quite a naughty song, actually. Yeah. Uh, Clumsy yeah. hands and knees that tremble. Goose Step Mama. Honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people must have heard this a million times on a million other better Beatles podcasts. Uh, that's a reference to my show, not yours. Uh, <laughs> at... And it's just the idea that when you've run out of Beatles albums, you can listen to the two Rottles albums and you've got two more Beatles albums, for yeah. better or worse. It's uh, I can't remember who said it, but someone, someone was asked, you know, are Oasis better than the Beatles? And, oh, they're not even as good as the Ruttles. Oh, I fucking hate Oasis. Oh, I did... Um, Shane! I, 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 I did a huge poll on my Twitter, at McCartneyPod, and... Um, I put, who's better, Blur or Oasis? And one of my American listeners just sent me a little private message saying, 
you do realize your audience is almost entirely American. They don't know who Blur is. And I was like, shit, I, re- I, just, I, I just remembered that. My entire audience is 50-year-old Americans from Wisconsin. Forgot. Oh, no. They're not going to know who Blur is, and they're certainly not going to fucking know who Pulp are. Yeah, that, uh, not exactly a, a, a massive uh, uh, influence in Milwaukee, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, they are common people, but, you know. Hey. No, um, in that same gig when we did, um, where I was the drummer for the school band, we did two Beatles songs. We did Drive My Car and Get Back, where I was on vocals. And or, as all of your listeners will know, I'm incredibly tone deaf. But uh, as long as you just put a bit of a growl on your voice, you can get through Get Back. Yeah. Um, but we also did um, The Importance of Being Idle, which is literally the only Oasis song that I like. And it's really good. I, I can't look at a picture of either of the Gallagher brothers without thinking of this YouTube compilation that's like every time <laughs> Oasis says shine, it's like shine. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Him no. standing with his arms behind his back in his long green coat. Whenever I look at the Gallagher brothers, I think of what I think of when I look at either Kid Rock or Kesha, just like, man, they need a wash. <laughs> Like, I, I, just, I just want to scrub them. Obviously, I know Kesha's had a lot of uh, troubles recently yeah. with uh, her pri- her private life, but definitely kind of TikTok-era Kesha. Yeah. Uh, my God, I just, I just wanted to grab a soap and water. Just yeah. cleaner. Just grab one of those, like, power washers. Or, like, Pete Doherty back in the day as well. Oh. Need, definitely need a good, a good scrub. Oh, okay. Um and then, like, whenever I look back at old Wings photos, I always think, God, Henry McCullough needed to comb his hair a bit, you know, needed to straighten up and fly right, you know what I mean? <laughs> Did I already ask you what your favourite Beatles song was? Oh, yeah, I know, I didn't actually answer it. I um, know. I, yeah. I didn't know if I had asked it. <laughs> I think you did. Um, if not, you can, you, you can always go back and edit, edit in there. Yeah, um, apart from what I, I'm editing for my own safety, there's not going to be much editing. No, um, I, well, again, a little digression before I answer that question again. I spend more time editing episodes than I would ever like to admit. Uh, I will gladly take out every um, ah, breath, you know, I will gladly retake paragraph after paragraph of my scripts because i don't get the right intonation for a joke to work yeah um and yeah i'll 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 let you in on on a little secret i think i might have said this in the past episode um i did an interview with mark lapidos uh the founder for the fest for beatles fans yes and at the start he was talking about his daughter uh going out and protesting with the black lives matter and it was so early, well, in the day for me, it was it was like 11, but I had just <laughs> woken up. And so I muttered this incoherent sentence about, like, something, eh, we need a change, and the change for the better. And at the end of that, I said, that didn't make any sense, did it? And he said, it kind of made sense. So I ended up re-recording that whole section with a more coherent statement. <laughs> Oh no no! I've I've actually gotten answers in some my, not necessarily on the Paul or nothing one, but definitely on my Tom Waits podcast where I've re-recorded a new question based on the answer I've got. 
to make it flow better? Like, I'd be like, that'd be a really good answer to a different question. So I'm going to go back and change the question. It definitely works well. Um, or, you know, you, you just get episodes with, like, me and Ken Michaels where it, it literally just... It, it, start, it starts off as a Pipes of Peace review episode before it just descends into... Oh, which song of this album do you like? Oh, well, I like that one. Which song of this album do you like? And it just, you had to abandon the format immediately. But with this, um, we I'm, I'm glad we at least went in knowing that there is no format this time. It's just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's a train wreck. No, I mean, um, you, you're you more than welcome to edit this down into one single episode oh, no, with, all, it's... With, with all of the best bits. Oh, no. When have I ever fucking done that? You've listened to my show. It. There, there's bits that suck. Oh, you've you've got to start telling your guests to wear some bloody earphones. By the by the way, the Ken Wobat one, I can hear you twice on that one. I'm like, Ken, put your earphones on, man. That was that was the second episode recorded, and <laughs> yeah. that was before I started saying wear a pair of earbuds or earphones, headphones, whatever the fuck. It's I don't want it feeding back into my ears. No, there are two types of podcasters. There are the ones who are professional Beatle fans, and they're the ones who are broadcasters. Um, I probably put myself in the latter category. I'm I'm probably better at talking than I am specifically talking about the Beatles necessarily, uh, which is why I have a lot of fun with a lot of different topics on the show. Like I did a whole episode on Kanye. I I, I love doing deep dive film reviews. Well, I, I don't think I fit into either. either category. I'm not a professional Beatles fan, mm-hmm. but again, I also don't think I'm a great host. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, only on, only tapeworms can decide who really is a good host. Dude, I have a, I have a stutter. I can't listen back to my first episodes. I I cringe incredibly, and then I'm like, oh no! But episode one, which is only a third of the length of most of my current episodes, with about a third of the detail and twice the stuttering, is going to be the one they all listen to first. Well, I'll apologize. Oh good god! The one everyone listens to me. Uh, my first episode, I made the appalling choice of adding reverb to the vocals. So it sounds like it was recorded in a cave. You sound like an American vinyl pressing of, of Revolver or something. Yeah, that's. I don't a, know. What's he called? Dick something. Um, Dave, the guy who Dave Dexter Jr. Dave Dexter Jr. I was, I was thinking of Dick Lester again. I've, yeah. got, I've clearly I've got Dick on the brain. Yeah. Bats. Bats. That's what that's what you come for, folks. Um, yeah. When I had. When I did my uh, Get Back, Let, Let It Be talk, uh, the, the guest I had on, Dylan CV, great musician and uh, Beatles podcast guest, he was like, on no other podcast, Sam, would we talk about rhombuses? <laughs> what was the context? Um, so, you know that quote from McCartney, I liken us to four sides of a squirrel? Yeah. But I, I, I say it's, I liken them to four sides of a rhombus. You know, an unequal square. It's, it's one little bit for Ringo, a bigger bit for George, and then t- an almost isosceles triangle length of side for John and Paul. Uh, Low-key, low um, if you say that Lennon was the Beatles after, say, 65, I almost can't debate with you. Like, come on, we all know it was Paul. Yeah. My man, my man Paul was the guy. He was the guy who... Look, look, Paul, you just want a job, don't you? Yeah, what's wrong with that, John? Like, 
what's wrong with hosting a Paul McCartney podcast in the vain hope that the BBC will recognise you and give you a slot on Radio 2? There's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing the art you love. Radio 2? Also... That's yeah. a optimistic. I, I think I, I think I could definitely take uh, Ken Bruce's spot in the morning. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> no, but I have all, no in, idea in, in who that is. So I will take your word. Very British re- uh, regional reference there. Uh, shout shout out to Ken Bruce in the morning. Yeah, hello everyone. Um, yeah, I like the idea that Paul enjoyed being in the Beatles and. You know, sometimes when I'm sat with all of my virtuoso musician friends who can all play Eruption by Van Halen like yeah. it was nothing, and my friend Ryan who can jam Black Betty by Ram Jam as if it was, you know, Chains or something. Yeah. I have to sit there and just let them play. You know, I can't particularly sing in key. I can sing if they want me to sing, but sometimes I just have to sit back and let them do some I can math sing what rock. you want me to sing if... If you don't want me to sing at all, I won't sing. Look, I'll play whatever you want me to play, but if it'll make you happy, you know. Whatever you that'll please you, I'll do it. I, I, I have those conversations, and sometimes they say, Sam, sing You Shut Me All Night Long by ACDC badly. At least it gives us something to keep in time to, you know. <laughs> but with with my friends like that, I can sometimes see the, the frustration that George and John had with, ah, oh, this guy that we have to be in a band with, he's just so brilliant all the time. Can't he just stop being brilliant? But then you've got the quotes from Paul where he's like, apparently he'd take a step back, and then within a few minutes, one of them would just turn to Paul and go, you know, come on, produce. <laughs> I love that quote. It's like, yeah, he, he can just knock something out in five minutes if you want him to. Yeah. But then whenever he does that and knocks something out in five minutes for them to record, they always have a go at him for it in the way that, you know, Paul constantly asks for a new writing partner to give him harsh criticism. And then when he gives them harsh criticism, they normally coincidentally end up leaving the studio sessions in a couple of weeks. Um, not saying there's a pattern there or anything, but... Did you answer the question, what is your favourite Beatles song? Third time's a charm. My favourite Beatles song is probably... Uh, I'm probably going to get a bit of flack for this within my own social circle, but it's either a toss-up between Hey Bulldog from Yellow Submarine, mm-hmm. which is the peak of the Beatles at their most brilliantly throwaway and frivolous, you know? Yeah. It's not them trying to do anything particularly heavy. It's not, it's not meant to be another day in the life. Definitely not. And yet, it's it rocks harder than probably anything besides Helter Skelter. Yeah, George's solo where it's just <laughs> Ringo's drum parts great. Paul's bass, uh, you know, it's up there with the rain bass line. You know, I'm not. I can't speak the, the technicalities of of music theory, but I can express it through poor impressions like that. Yeah. And oh, you know, Hey Bodak has all of that. And Lennon with that with that build up to the chorus. You can talk to me. Like I can imagine. I can imagine that being massive in like or being used in the grunge scene 30 years later yeah i can see that totally being in some downplayed seattle basement just being droned out 
again, things like uh, She's So Heavy, kind of look, looking forward towards that rock scene as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that could be my favourite in terms of the song I listen to the most and has the most historic, like historical resonance with me might be For No One from Revolver. Okay. One I mean... Of... Oh, no, carry on. Yeah. That's to each to each their own. I mean, well, come on. Like, whenever the Beatles do any subject, it's normally the best song about that subject ever. Um, and, of course, like, McCartney and the way he can capture the post-breakup blues. I mean, you, of course, you're still a very young man, and hopefully you haven't had your heart broken too many times by by uh, people you are attracted to. But Not when, it does, when, when, it, when it does happen, and, you know... Girls you've, you know, been chasing and been in relationships with and it all comes to a horrible close. You have songs like For No One to Fall Back On when family and friends don't quite understand what, you know, the immeasurable pain that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And Paul just gets you. He puts his arm around you. Your day breaks, your mind aches. He's like, yeah, it does, Paul. It does. You're <laughs> so right. And I can remember me and a friend of mine, we were at a party, we'd been drinking a bit of, a little bit of Jameson's, and he just had a breakup, I just had a breakup, I put on for no one, and, you know, that was like, what about the night we cried? That was the night that we cried as two, as two young men, mm-hmm. hopelessly single, hopelessly upset. Um, I mean... If you want to talk about underrated Beatles songs, that's another conversation. All right. What's your favorite underrated Beatles song? I mean... Uh, I'll throw mine in there. It's all too much. Yes. Fantastic track. I'm I'm a big fan of the whole 60s uh, psych scene. And it's the closest the Beatles got to, you know, that kind of freak beat... Uh, LSD-infused mania. It's also the only song where Harrison kind of writes it on guitar and organ, or and keys. Like, you can either tell, like, oh, George wrote this song on guitar. Oh, George wrote this song on the keys, like, circles, or don't bother me. Like, you can clearly tell on what instrument those songs were written on. But with It's All Too Much, it's got the... of the guitar, but it's also got the... And that, that's almost quite McCartney-esque, and, and the guitar's quite Lennon-y, and George is just playing to all the best sounds that the band can create at that time. Mm-hmm. The, too, too much! much too, too much! much. Oh, We're on the same wavelength here. Goobble-gobble, one of us. It's definitely got that kind of kind of feel to it. Yeah. But, like, that, you know, like a lot of the songs I feel are underrated, it's, it's those tracks that seem to have slipped through unjustly so the pop culture net this pop culture sieve as it were songs like i'll be back um long 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 blue jay way i've got a bit of a george oh, thing I going love blue jay way oh, best jay song on the so whole good. magical mystery <laughs> tour ep it's um your mother should know and fool on the hill are both very good i like them but i don't think they're actually it's a toss-up between that and flying. Flying's, are, you know what? If you're talking about underrated tracks, that is definitely underrated. Come it's, on, I love that song so much, and especially towards the end where it just kind of 
dissolves into madness with just like the the melotrons and the flutes and the what have yous. It's a nice bookend to that kind of strawberry fields sound yeah. that they were messing with from like late '66 to yeah. Well, it's the melotron. That Paul messes around with brilliantly on that um, Chaos in the Creation yeah. live, live, live little show. <laughs> you know, this is the Mellotron that uh, we use as Robbie Fields, and that's uh, El- Elvis's bass guitar, you know. It's, yeah. uh, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a lot of stuff from my other rich bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I've got things, you know. This is the condom I nailed to the wall in Hamburg and set on fire. This is the uh, vial that I took my sperm sample for with that uh, girl from Germany. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the egg that uh, Jim McCulloch threw threw at the wall and got kicked out of the band for. Yeah, this is this is the gun that Jimmy McCulloch held to my head. This is the suitcase that I put a, lo- a load of weed in. This is my baby's nappy that I put some more weed in. <laughs> Oh, what a fucking idiot, Paul. If you're going to smuggle weed into Japan, don't put it at the top of the suitcase. No, but just it's that it's it's that rule, isn't it? The roadies carry it like that's yeah. the that that's the risk you take. And my I, I friend, guess Paul just he was my so My friend's not even a particularly big Beatles fan, but every now and then he just sends me those pictures of Paul in handcuffs giving the thumbs up at the camera and smiling. Oh, he took it. He 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 took it well. Oh yeah. And I'm waiting for that little black book that he wrote in jail to come out and resurface one of these days. Do you reckon it's still out there? He's got it saved somewhere, like that Christmas album that he that he made for his family that hasn't been released. Oh. I think I think one of his kids, it might have been Stella, joked that once Paul goes, everything's coming out. So. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get that. Hopefully we'll get the the twelve minute cut of Dark Room that supposedly is uh, exists somewhere as well. Oh, you know, in the Beatles world, you know, the famous twenty six minute version of uh, of uh, Ebony and oh, Ivory. What twenty six? What is a twenty six minute? I'm, I'm fucking with you. And oh my oh. Helter Skelter. I was gonna say Helter Skelter. Yeah. Yeah. The twenty six minute version of Ebony and Ivory. Where it just goes full, like, hard rock, helter-skelter <laughs> style. If it was the Ackerbilk oboe version, I probably wouldn't mind a 26-minute version of Ebony and Ivory, but... Ebony and man. I wish Paul could have looked a little bit further ahead and really predicted heavy metal. You know, could you imagine if he'd have done something like One by, by Metallica or something like that? Oh, you know? God. But, like, with the vocals of Oh, Darling. Yeah. You know, take up my sight, take up my truth, take up my hearing. You know, Paul just screaming. And after all that, Ringo, I got blisters on my fingers. Again, um, the first time I ever heard that track was Beatles Rock Band, you know. I've really hadn't explored a lot, a lot, a lot of the category, and that game introduced me to that. Um, I want you, she so heavy. Do you want to know a secret? Octopus's garden. Very. Uh, I just want to ask because we've been recording this for a while. How bad is my British accent? You know the northern one that I keep doing. No, you did a different one on an earlier episode. It was more like a posh twit, and it, that and that was and that was much better. 
I need to go back and find which episode that was for you. Posh twit. I'm trying to... Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think I describe it as, like, BBC news reader. Yeah, yes. kind of, kind of, Welcome yeah. Welcome to the BBC World Service. Yes, yeah. very much like that. And these four lads from Liverpool are making quite a stir across the pond. Yeah. But, you know, the one I kind of go to nowadays is this kind of, you know, uh, Yorkshire. Because I watched one too many uh, clips of the Monty Python doing the four Yorkshiremen sketch. Well, I grew up, I lived in cardboard box at Midlet Road, and we had, a, uh, we had a pile of cold gravel for breakfast, not even a pile of warm gravel. You were lucky to have a room. Yeah. <laughs> we used to live in Corridor. We were huddle, all huddling corner for fear of falling. Luxury. We used like, to get uh, up in morning, half past ten at night, half an hour before we'd gone to bed. Half an hour before of, we'd gone to bed. Eat yeah. lump of poison, work 29 hours a day at Milan, pay mill owner to be there. And when we got home, Dad would strangle us and dance about on our grave, singing Hallelujah. <laughs> you try well, do they believe that. you? You yeah, try telling that to the young people of today, will they believe you? No. Oh, no. I'm, I mean, what is the next generation going to say when we're in the pubs and bars complaining about corona lockdown? Yeah. You know? Shut yeah, up, they're, they're, tossers. They're going to be saying the exact same thing, you know? Yeah. It was your, it was your generation that screwed us over. Yeah. Which probably will be... Well, not my generation. Your generation. The millennials. I'm talking about my generation. Oh, my gosh. Um, have you asked me my least favourite Beatles song? I can't, I, can't, I can't remember if I'm, 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 I'm going to try and steer this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. What's your least favourite Beatles song? Saved um, from Annihilation. Well... I could just try and annoy you and say Mr. Moonlight, but I'm not going to. Yeah, uh, uh, I'd be really fucking annoyed. Well, like, technically it's a cover as well, so yeah. it doesn't even count. Yeah, it's just um, a cop-out. I mean, the real culprits are, like, the stinkers of B-sides that just no one can be bothered to remember from the early era. Like, I'll get you. Oh, fuck you. Fuck thank, you. Th- thank you, girl. Are you just saying real, he's just trying to make me agitated? Real dross that, like, wouldn't even make it on with the Beatles. Yeah, just real okay, lame I, duck stuff. Okay, you're just trying to make me agitated, aren't you? Like, I, I understand the whole, like, oh, we don't really care about the B-side. That's where the rubbish goes. That's the era when the rubbish went on the B-side. Like, like they hadn't learned that, like, you know, We Can Work It Out can be better than Day Tripper. Uh, yeah, just that. I mean, look, if we're going to be uber specific, I mean, the, the the ultimate underrated Beatles track is actually not guilty, uh, but that wasn't actually released. If we're going to be uber specific, I'm about... still really upset that you uh, were insulting. Thank you, girl, and I'll get you. I'll get you. I'll get you. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, come on. Are you telling me that, like, Paul and John just didn't go into, in, into the back room and go, right, let's, let's just bash out. A generic Beatle vocal lick. And you, go, don't oh, think yeah. they, and you don't think they did that for She Loves You? Yeah, but that's a decent A-side, though. It's got a, it's got, it's got a good rhythm to it. And that and it's, and it's got that opening Ringo drum line, which is just classic in itself. <laughs> like that. Come on. I, I think... Thank you, girl. You really hit my finger quite hard, then. Oh, rest in peace. 
I think Thank You Girl has more going for it than From Me to You. Uh, that's fair, but I've never really rated From Me to You all that much either. I think I'll Get You is better than She Loves You. Like, I will put on the B-side more than the A-side. <laughs> oh because to me, it sounds so quintessentially early Beatles, and I love it. Like, the whole, it, you know, it is so early Beatles, it hurts. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, I love that. No, no, I'm, I, you can't convince me of that. Um, but the real answer, Ethan, of course, there's only one real answer, and that always has to be, what's the new Mary Jane? That's, yeah, that sucks. It's the only Beatles song that's actually upset me physically with how truly bad it was. So I was like, oh, is this like a joke? Is this Lennon, like, trying to make them think he's not worth working with anymore? <laughs> like, I want, I want to do Cold Turkey as the A-side, or what's the new Mary Jane as the B-side? Oh, John, I think I'm. I think I'm just going to release McCartney one and break up the band. Actually, I think that's the bet. I think that's the bet. The bet. The choice, you know. Oh God, that song is just not good. That's all. Well, I say. And like, if I pancakes, chapatis and cream. It's oh, what? Uh, what is going with on? With apple and contract. It's like. I, look, look! I host a Tom Waits podcast. I love anti-music and anti-climaxes and songs that are intentionally meant to be quite acerbic and grating and stark to the ear. But it's just bad. Like, yeah. like you know, when, like, you know when George talks about uh, "Don't Bother Me," like, oh, it's just a songwriting exercise. It's not that good. It's way better than what's the new Mary Jane. It's got. A beginning, a middle, and an end, like a structure and a tune. You know, it's actually a song. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, it's just like classic Lennon heroin crap, really, with uh, what's the new Mary Jane. Yeah. Remember, kids, don't do drugs. Remember, unless, kids, don't. Unless you no, want no. to. Unless you want to. Nah, there's the classic line from Love Actually. Kids, don't buy drugs. Become a celebrity and they give you them for free. Oh, God. Uh, that's that's a song, or that's a movie I'm kind of sick of. Yeah, uh, it's kind of one of those quintessential, you watch it once a year films yeah. over, and, over here. Well, and especially over here, because it's like, oh, it's so British. We all love it. And it's a little, it grates. Oh, the best part about that movie, though, is how taking a British accent over to an American bar immediately makes you notice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice little fantasy moment for all us Brits watching. Yeah. 100%. But something kind of on that topic, which I, I just discovered uh, Roy Wood a couple months ago. Uh, I know you only had to Google who Roy Wood is. <laughs> um, but possibly his song uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day that he did with Wizard is I just discovered it and I really really, really? like it but apparently over there it's like one of your big Christmas songs it's one of the Christmas songs yeah it's, oh when it's, the snowman brings the snow, snow. oh when it just might like to know it's 
I just heard it for the first time because it does not get played over here. Do you not have those like terribly awful like every every Christmas around here you get these videos or TV shows and it's like the hundred greatest Christmas songs or Christmas music videos and you'll get Wizard Slade well, the Boney Slade, M the Slade one you occasionally hear I will defend the Boney M Christmas album to the death. Jesus Christ! It's the only Christmas song that's got balls to be religious. It's like this is about a fucking guy named Jesus, you know. It's not about Santa Claus kissing over, your mum. Like over here, like you, you have the songs from like the fifties. Like you have some of the like Bing Crosby stuff from earlier. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to go further than that. No copyright strike for that one, folks. Yeah. I can do. I can, but I can then, do one like note. the. You know, there's some of the Phil Spector Christmas stuff gets played. Or as I call it, the Goodfellas soundtrack. Karen, I got the biggest, most expensive tree they had. What? What's the other one? Brenda Lee, like, rocking around the Christmas tree. That one, I love. Of course. Uh, McCartney and Lennon. Oh, would that add one. To that. that one is. Those two. Yeah. My friend works in retail and he almost choked me one time I put on Wonderful Christmas Time. Like he had my. He had my windpipe in his hand and was Again. slowly starting to compress. I've never understood the hate for it. It's clearly re- really, really good. Bum, and bum, bum, bum. I think it was, uh, might have been Glass Onion or Nothing Is Real or Egg Pod, one of the 50 other podcasts I listen to. It's it's hard for them not all to blend together. But someone was talking about how... This one doesn't strip- blend in. This one doesn't blend into any other podcast. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Uh, you're just saying that because you're on the show. I mean... I've, I've got to look after the bottom line, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember who was talking about but they were saying, if you strip away all the Christmas elements from the song, it's just a really good McCartney 2 session track, you know, just... You can play that song with one finger, I'm pretty sure. Or what's the... Again, I bring up Peter Serafinowicz. Uh, have you ever seen the parody of Wonderful Christmas Time from him? It's like, oh, Christmas Christ. night is here again, and we're all drinking wine. The lady or the men are all excited. The lady's looking fine. Let's all have a sexual Christmas night. <laughs> Let's all oh, have an erotic homework. holy night. Wow. It's like, yeah, he spent two years in prison after that song came out. I can't believe that he was about to voice Paul McCartney in a remake of Yellow Submarine. That's one of the big what-ifs. I interviewed the guy who played the motion capture for Paul in that movie. Did they film any of it? 90% of the motion capture stuff was shot. Jesus Christ, I didn't even know that. It was done by the, uh, the Fab Four band. Oh, wow. And that was with, like, Zemeckis on set? Or? I, yeah. And he, they oh also... Oh, my God, Mars Needs Moms has ruined yeah. a Beatles legacy. That's so upsetting. <laughs> <sighs> and 
same guy also did the mocap stuff for the Beatles Rock Band game. So when you see Paul in that game, that's him. Artie Saraf from the Fab Four. He was on episode number seven of the show. God, I've got so much homework at the end of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I've got a lot of work to do, uh, yeah. 100%. My gosh, I didn't know they'd actually filmed some of the stuff. I didn't I either. Mean, did they get Peter Dinklage to play the Nowhere Man, you know? Was that was that going to happen? I Well, it's a very offensive uh, yeah. heightist joke, but, you know. Heightist. It, it, you know, or you could have got Warwick Davis to do it. Yeah. It fine. I'm not sure Warwick Davis is terribly busy right now i'm always well i'm always happy that warwick davis uh here in the uk has a really bad game show called tenable and whenever you see an actor who's not they're not a-list but they're not minor character actor and you know when you just see them in a project and you're like i'm glad they're working yeah you know like whenever i see elizabeth debicki or something like that you know just an actress that you don't see very often you're like oh I'm glad she's still doing stuff. <laughs> Unlike Paul in films. Like, well, speaking of walk, walking out of films, um, I literally stayed in the cinema just to see Paul McCartney in Pirates of the Caribbean 5, and the moment his scene was over, I was out of there. <laughs> oh, God. I, I even, have... you know, even the inclusion of Maggie May could not make me like that movie. God. Well, you just mentioned Maggie May, which made me think of Rod Stewart, which made me very angry because I hate Rod Stewart. He's not very good. He's lo- he's beloved in this country as a why a sex. Well, he's a sex symbol. Sex People symbol love his voice. For what chlamydia? No, just like he he was he was you know he just got people going back in the day with his leopard skin pants and dad bod. But in my opinion, he broke up. The my favorite band, apart from the Beatles, the Small Faces. Well, the Small Faces also did a really shit cover of "Maybe I'm Amazed," which I find. Oh, but that's that's not the Small Faces. That's that just, just the Faces. Yeah, after they after Steve Marriott left and joined or informed Humble Pie, they they were left neutered, and then they did you know the terrible cover of "Maybe I'm Amazed." The, the other one I need to check out, I've heard that the Moody Blues actually get really interesting after Denny Lane leaves. Oh, their first album after he leaves is fantastic. Is that like the, con- the concept psychedelic album? Yeah, Days of Future Past. What? That's, that, that's the name of like a, the best X-Men movie. I know, that's it's so, spelled uh, differently. It's, it's not how? past, it's past. Like... P-A-S-S-E-D. Oh, okay. That's in- yeah. that's interesting. It's the one with uh, Tuesday Afternoon and Nights in White Satin. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. One of my favorite albums of all time. It's always I, I, interesting that... Uh, I only one... know one Moody Blues Denny Lane song, and he was only on one Moody Blues album, The Magnificent Moody's. And that song would accompany him through... Wings concerts right the way through the 70s, and it was normally a highlight for me. I loved whenever Go Now would come up, absolutely loved it. Like, whenever you just heard those, we already said everyone's going crazy straight away. And it's like, I love the fact that Paul was like, 
yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not comfortable having like Beatles songs in the set list, but we'll have a moody blues song and a Simon and Garfunkel song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What did you... Okay, you already said what your least favorite Beatles song was, and I'm very disappointed in your answer. It's fine. Yeah. What's your favorite Beatles album? Favorite Beatles album? Um, I, uh, Harrison kind of spoke uh, in this one quote. They kind of put a lot of things in context. And he's like, oh, I always felt like Rubber Soul and Revolver with two halves of a double album. And I kind of get that because it's my favorite transitionary part of Beatles yeah. lore. It's, which is when it's like it's going from stuff that your mom can listen to to stuff that you can't talk to your parents about anymore because they just won't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> I, and, that's you know that's actually you, one of the best ways I've heard it described. Yeah, like if you, you know, you can put on a Beatles album and the whole family can listen to uh, Beatles for Sale or A Hard Day's Night, but then you put on Revolver and you start getting Tomorrow Never Knows and She Said She Said. Your parents start looking at you as if you're the thing is, smoke, smoking the old what's the new, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the thing is, Tomorrow Never Knows is my mum's favourite Beatles song. You'd, I've never been that taken with it, if I'm, if I'm true. I kind of see it like a slightly more funky version. And that's version all from of, us re- today on Fans on the Run. <laughs> I, I get it. And like, you know, it's one of the best recordings ever. Jeff Emmerich's amazing, blah, 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 blah. I just can't. I can't sing it to myself when I'm riding my bike in the middle of the country. I can't just get, get going going, turn on your mind, relax. You know, for me, I prefer to go, Martha, my dear, yeah. you have a... That's, that's you me as a, as, you as a Beatles fan. You bike through the country, like, humming the tape loops, like... <laughs> oh, someone on your show called it um, Seagulls. You know, the yeah, think, it might have yeah. been you. I'm not sure. I think it was my uncle Paul. It's. I'm pretty sure that Paul that's laughing. Paul laughing. Yeah. I mean, you are a good nephew. You didn't call him out on the show. No. Well, it sounds like seagulls, though. <laughs> yeah. Revolver, though. I'm gonna put yeah. on a headphone warning for this episode. <laughs> Oh, my, my, um, my impressions. Like, you know when you watch YouTube videos, you're like, why is this advert twice as loud as the rest of the video I'm watching? Yeah. That's kind of like my impressions. I'll, um, I'll put a compressor on it. So. <laughs> oh, I mean, there, there are so many outtakes of me just going, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney, Paul, M- Paul McCartney. And then going, Denny Lane, you know, Birmingham, Denny Lane, you know, you know, how's it going, duck? So it's always been much easier to do like Harrison or Lem because they're yeah. just so caustic yeah. in their scouseness. You know, fucking fucking John Lennon and George yeah. Harrison just do that very hard. George always sort of. sounded like he had a cold. Like, yeah, George Harrison, <laughs> you know, from the Beatles. Paul was nine months older than me, and he was always nine months older than me. But Paul, do you have to talk like this, you know? You have to Paul's talk. a bit brummy though. If you do the Birmingham accent, Paul kind of sounds a bit Birmingham, you know. Yeah. <laughs> If, bit, you know. if you scratch your right nostril, it helps in doing the Paul McCartney impression. Yeah, that's Trust me, if you go, I'm doing, you know, yeah, yeah, scratch yeah. your nose like that because yeah. it brings your face down a bit. Yeah. Make, you have to. So everyone, if you can tighten your top lip and then bring your lower jaw down, yeah. and it makes the kind of makes the Paul McCartney sound. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. You know, 
and you know, yeah. I always just sniff a big a big red flower and I go, lovey love, I love you. And all <laughs> you have to love. do, and every second word has to be, you know, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like, you know. Yeah. like um, we were the Beatles. No, you really have to. So when I do McCartney quotes, like all of my quotes will always be in italics, but the amount of ellipses and commas when you actually break down how a Paul McCartney quote would be spelled out in reality rather than just on the page. You know, you've really got to take a red pen to a lot of it. You're like, this has been transcribed to make Paul sound like a human. And I know that this is not, he's not that eloquent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with me, me and Elvis, you know, like, you know, yeah, you know, Elvis is like junk, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, then, you know, he gets close to the dirt, you know, like, yeah, you know. This that's, is... how he, that, that's how he talks, and he doesn't want that to ever come across. Do you want to hear the greatest thing ever? I've, I've memorized this. This is a serious message to everybody watching my update. Right now, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> I want to tell you, please, after the 20th of October... I will not be not, signing anything. Do not yeah. sign any more fan mail to any address you have. Nothing will be signed after the 20th of October. If that has a date on the envelope, it's going to be tossed. I'm warning you with <laughs> peace, peace and, love. and love. I have too much to do, so no more fan mail. Thank you. Thank you. And no objects to be signed. Nothing. Anyways, peace and love. Peace and love. I'm I've too busy training that. another drummer to do all the drumming for me. Why don't I just come on stage with a mic? I don't know. I've, uh, I've memorized that because that's my favorite video on the internet. The one I need to memorize is no meat Mondays. No meat Mondays. That's that's the that's the best cringe word uh-huh. McCartney clip clip there is. Or maybe him making mashed potatoes. Oh, that one's fantastic. I'm one of the few people that likes the Mary Had a Little Lamb, both the song and the music video. I think they're both great. Do you know? They were singing la 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 la. It's it's so gooey crap, McCartney. How can you not resist that? <sighs> what is your least favorite Beatles album? It's with the Beatles, hundred oh. <laughs> percent. Instantly, I can tell from talking to you, you don't like the early Beatles very much. No, no, no. A Hard Day's Night is in my top three, and it's got uh, A Hard Day's Night is brilliant because it's like it's all Lennon and McCartney. And Paul only did three songs, and they're the best three songs, except for maybe like If I Fell. Um, Paul is so good on that album, it's, it, it's so invigorating how he manages to keep up with Lennon's massive output. By just going to the quality side, which he rarely ever does again in their in their whole con- continuity. But just going back to with the Beatles, I mean, again, another opinion that's probably been spouted before by cleverer men than I. But it's just please, please me part two, isn't it? Well, you know? I don't like please, please me as an album. That it's it's probably my number two least least favorite one. Um, to me, I do have a soft spot for chains though. I do like chains. I I love P.S. I love you. And that's you know what, and Anna, I love I saw her standing there. You're not you're not a big twist and shout guy. No, I've I've heard that one too much. Well, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with it as well, actually, because twist and shout is the go-to song for unimaginative club D- DJs, 
in 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 the Midlands where I where I live. There was an awful club at my uni called Planet, and it was a rock club. And downstairs you had more like pop rock, and upstairs you had more like heavy metal and stuff like that. But if you were lucky enough for the DJ to recognise that you existed, oh mate, come on, please, man, I'm really pissed. Can I have a Beatles song on? Go on then. It would always, without question, be twist and shout because the DJ is going right. What do all these losers who like Good Charlotte and Papa Roach know about the Beatles? Papa uh, Roach. Oh no, no. Every night it was it was Last Resort by Papa Roach, Lifestyle of the Rich and the Famous by Good Charlotte, followed by um, Tainted Love by Marilyn Manson. Uh, then, then you'd ask for a more modern song. It would always be "I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor" by the Arctic Monkeys. It was just the same oh. terrible track list every night. Fucking but you Arctic went, Monkeys. Yeah, or or as I call it, regional rock, where it's just I've, I've got an accent, and then I'm going to do it, and that's all we've got really going. There, there's a, there was an artist in the in the UK called Kate Nash, and she just sang everything like that. And it was really fucking annoying. Stop doing that. Um, but yeah, you know, with the Beatles, it was an, the Beatles are known for evolving so fast, and the lack of progression between "Please Please Me" and "With the Beatles" is is very noticeable. And it's the least impressive impression on my mind, I guess. You know what? You didn't say Beatles for sale, so I'm happy. Oh, again, that's the obvious one, isn't it? Oh, they're tired on the front. We know! We know! But that I love that album. I love it. And ba- Babies know, in Black. Babies um, in Black. Uh, I'll Follow the Sun. Of everyone's what, what, trying what, to be my do- baby. What you're doing as well. Um, and the first, I'm a loser. No it, reply. Come on. No reply. Oh, my God. No reply. This happened once before. No, I don't. I, I the thing is, I never gave that song a fair shake, and then one day I was listening for an extended period of time, and then I got to the "If I Were You," I that middle age, oh. and now it's one of my favorite Beatles songs. It's one of those James Brown Beatles songs. We like take me to the bridge. Yeah. Speaking of James Brown, have you ever seen that uh, CNN interview with him where he's... Man, I'm going to make music. I like music and making love. Man, I haven't done cocaine. Ah. He's just coked out of his mind trying to dodge abuse allegations. Yeah. I just want to talk about songs. You know, sex machine. Take me to the bridge. Papa's got a brand new bag. Man, I love music. It's so good. It's a man's world. Yeah, it's a man's world. He's got giant sunglasses on. And and then dripping sweat. And then he takes them off, and you're like, Jesus. Yeah. And then he, he stands up, and then once the interview's done, he's like, wait a minute, I just got here. <laughs> oh. oh, God, I love... You know what I've been listening to lately? Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, I can't remember his name, but the bassist for Sly and the Family Stone is is so good. The Woodstock version of I Want to Take You Higher is phenomenal. I only found out, this is so bad, I only found out about Sly and the Family Stone because of the Tom Tom Club. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, like, again, find, finding out about black music via white people, it's a bit of a, a running yeah. theme throughout my life. I found out about rock 
through the Beatles. I found out about rap through Eminem. It's a it's a very I get, privileged musical I, background. I take it you're more of a Talking Heads fan than I thought because you you mentioned them earlier, but now oh, you're mentioning the Tom Tom Club. Tom Tom Club is probably the third best Talking Heads album. What's what are the best two? Um, the best one is Fear of Music, <laughs> followed by Remain in Light, then Tom Tom Club, then Speaking in Tongues. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 David Byrne is my favourite insane person. Yeah. I love you it. You may He's ask brilliant. yourself, how did I get here? This is not my beautiful wife. And it's like, oh, he just doesn't understand basic human emotions. I get it now. Right. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. You may ask yourself, how do I work this? Again, like the Beatles, though, Talking Heads, it's just like, oh, shit, the rhythm section of this band is killer. Like, forget about the guitarists and the producers. Tina Weymouth and Chris France, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr. Bit of a connection. Tina and Paul both played Hofner basses. Different models, but same Hofner. Was Tina's a Hofner, was it? She played a Hofner club bass, I've seen in some video. I think she played a Hofner club in uh, Stop Making Sense. Oh, a.k.a. the best concert film ever made. of course. Can you believe that it took them till the early 90s to do the whole... The lead singer comes on first, then another, then another member of the band, then another member of the band. Like that seems so obvious. Like, oh wow, I can't believe they hadn't already done that. Yeah. Um, and how many live albums can say it's got more than one version of a song that's better than the album version? Uh, burning, uh, Life during the, war time. Uh, burning down the house. Slippery people. Jesus Christ. Making flippy floppy. <laughs> one of my favourite titles to any song ever. Yeah, it's. I mean, that is a great song to pair with "Eat at Home." You know. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Talking Heads. I am going to do a podcast on that at some point. Me and my friend Tom. We've already got the uh, Twitter handle for it. We've got the email account. We've got the Facebook page. Years in advance. If you want but, me on the Talking Heads pod, I'll come on. Well, we're going to call it Talking Talking Heads. That's all we know so far. It's the best. Like, again, we didn't know we were going to do a Tom Waits podcast until I said, let's just call it Down in the Hole. Bam. It just fell into into place. Poor or nothing, though. Originally, it was going to be called um, possibly... We're getting uh, an insight here, folks. Yeah, it was possibly going to... Oh, there, there were a couple of names going going, going, going about. Um, Paul Bearer was going to be one of them. Uh, they, they were all Paul puns. You know, if um, you hadn't... Already, Paul, uh, Paul Together Now was oh, another one. Yeah. If you already hadn't done an episode or three on the Paul is Dead rumor, I would have loved to have done one on that. Yeah, I mean, I can talk you're about not that for ages. You're not allowed to be a Beatles fan. I should say, oh, I'm not interested in Paul is dead. It's boring. It doesn't add anything to the story. No, it's great to talk about how even crazy delusional psychopaths like the Beatles as well. Yeah, and <laughs> well, come on. The thing is, what I did fun. What I did during the quarantine before I started the podcast is I I did the cover and I. Uh, whipped up a compilation of Paula's Dead novelty songs, and I even created new musical interludes between the songs. I was going to call it uh, 
who buried Paul McCartney. So one of them would have been St. Paul by yeah, what's his name? By Terry something. Yes. Yeah. Go back and check out my three-part series on Paul is Dead, which is the most... In- I mean, I don't mean to toot my own horn. I think my tug-of-war episode's pretty good, and my three-part look into Paul is Dead... I think I have this in front of me right now. It's St. Paul by Terry Knight, Brother Paul Terry by Knight. Billy Shears and the All-Americans, So Long Paul by Worbley Finster, who I think is... Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think I have that wrong. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, the Ballad of Paul by the Mystery Tour. That's my favorite. The Ballad of Paul by the Mystery Tour. That song is just, it's the least subtle thing you could ever do. I'm more of a fan of, uh, Everyday Chemistry, the, uh, the fake beat that came from another, another dimension. You know what, though? I haven't done that for Clatu, so you can probably come on and talk, and talk about them. Oh, I love Clatu. Well, I'm Canadian, so Clatu is from Toronto. Clatu, Baronicto, it's all, it's all there. Yeah. Now, um, I, lo- I love the Paul is Dead stuff, and they, again, just, just to toot my own horn, I have all of the clues on my three episodes. So many of the shows, they just talk about the clues and don't play the clips, but they're all there on mine. Again, soon to be pulled off the stream, so listen to it while you can, folks. Yeah. Before it goes back into the Disney vault. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't I can't wait till we get an episode of The Mandalorian where, you know, he has to kidnap one kidnap the Ruby Ring for Ringo or something, you know. One last question. Why do the Beatles still matter? Because they're better than anything that's come out since, unfortunately. It's such a simple answer, and it's a bit of a trite answer as well, but nothing has come close. No band has been able to get better and better and better with each release. Queen came pretty close. Michael Jackson came pretty close. I'd have to disagree with you on Queen. I think... No, the Beatles would have benefited a lot by having some really camp 80s club albums during the middle of their career that no one remembers you think so? <laughs> no, of course not. Um, but in terms of like that kind of worldwide appeal and every member of the band is capable of writing a number one hit. Yeah. That, that Roger Taylor cool. from Queen with uh, I'm in Love With My Car. A, a highly derided song that I quite like, actually. I, did, I think he did We Will Rock You as well. Um, you know, all of the... I, I think they are the only band... I, th- I don't think even the Beatles have this accolade. They're the only band where every member of the group has written a number one. Oh, I think the Beatles have. Did Ringo write a number one? Oh, he he had a solo number one, but yeah, it's the thing, isn't it? Because "Don't Pass Me By" or "Octopus's Garden" weren't released as singles here. No, or there um, or. Or, ev- or anywhere, hopefully. Um, I, I think probably there is some weird, like a, a, a you know... A Swedish, Norwegian... Yeah. Like, places where they released Obladi Oblada as a single, and not by the Marmalade. <laughs> no, um... I think Ringo had a writing credit on Flying and What Goes On as well, though. Yeah. Oh! Uh, what Goes On? Was that... I think that was a single. 
maybe a B side. It was I think it was the B side to uh the American Nowhere Man single. Again, that's a song I've never been too strongly drawn to either. Uh, it's probably my my lowest point in the Yellow Submarine film in terms of songs. Really, it's just a good thing that the the uh, visuals are so fantastic during that scene. Okay, yes. Ringo technically did appear as a songwriter on a number one single. Oh, but the beast. See, I've I've yeah. never understood this. The beast, the B side or the A side. How do they know what I listen to unless you've got some sort of Orwellian phonograph? You know. Well, it's just the single itself reached uh, number one on the U.S. Record World 100 charts, although it only reached number two and three in Billboard and Cashbox, but it was number one here in Canada on the RPM singles chart. Oh, I mean, Ethan, in the way that you should never underestimate how little of a shit British people give about SNL... Um, never underestimate how little British people know about what Billboard is or the Rock 100 or this chart or that chart. Mm-hmm. It's just have one chart, America, please. It would make things so well, much simpler. They had just like all those charts in the 60s, but you guys were fucking guilty of that too. You had like four different charts. Yeah, like but the, I, I wasn't alive back yeah, then, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass you the had like on that one. the Melody Maker, the you know, uh, an Emmy. I think had a singles chart. Hey, without Melody Maker, we wouldn't have some of the best bitching of all time. So yeah, uh, without the NME, you wouldn't have a bunch of pretentious pricks going around saying that the Smiths are actually worth anything. This Charming Man's pretty good. That's a pretty nice track. The Smiths have been completely ruined by Morrissey. What? You mean by his right-wing fascism? Yeah. <laughs> no, the other thing. Oh, this just took my... What, just being a general prick in general? Yeah, it, it, no, does, it doesn't help. of course it's fucking fascism. <laughs> my gosh. And plus I, his I, voice I, I sounds reading like nails that. on a chalkboard. <laughs> Like, uh, my friend really likes Johnny Marr. He, right. he does not like the Smiths. Yeah, I can't. He's forced I can't, I can't to listen to Morrissey sing to hear, like, the guitar riff. Like, something like that. I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> that was the very first album that was ever bought for me, the Smiths album that has that song. Can't, can't remember the name of the album, but it's lovely and big and blue. Is it Meat, and, Meat is Murder? Man, look something on computer again. I've been doing that this whole show, too. This charming man. Uh, oh, no, it's just off the self-titled album in, in 84, The Smiths. Yeah. Oh, Cracking quiff, though. Can never take that away from the man. Yeah. <laughs> I think that should be on your tombstone. Inverted yeah, on, commas. Cracking quiff. On that note. No, um, you know when Paul's talking about George in a slightly problematic way in the uh, documentary of Living in, in Material World? Yeah. His hair was like a fucking turban. Yeah. Like a fucking turban. Yeah. I was like, oh, to me, Paul, it was more like an onion. Yeah. He was the Onion Knight Sir Davos, you know? (laughs) 
Was, was that a fucking <laughs> Doctor Who reference? No, that's a Game of Thrones reference. Oh, no, I, I just heard Davros. And... Oh, no, no, Sir Davos. Um, oh. Played by Liam Cunningham in the terrible Game of Thrones TV series. Well, we have successfully rambled now for three hours. We've talked about a lot. Of, sorry, we've spoken about a lot of stuff there. Even uh, yeah. I, I, we've I told talked, you I don't we've do talked more talk, so to speak. We've chatted more chat. I don't do short conversations. Yeah. You know, in the way that Paul speaks about, you know, it's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. White album. Sharp. I'm like, you know, this is this is a chat with Sam from Paul. I think Sharp. You know, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. So it's my favorite part of the show. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you plug, because all your plugs were in part one. You got to plug for everyone in part two now. Oh, well, thank you very much, Ethan. I mean, look, folks, if I haven't completely put you off with all of my rude jokes and swearing and digressions... Oh, you can trust me, if they have <laughs> issues with that, they would not be listening to this show. Although... <laughs> Ethan, I felt very old when I found out you were only 17. I was like, oh, my, my shtick's gone. Yeah, eat, was, eat shit, boomer. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I am a little bit older, but at least I don't know what Ben 10 is, so. <laughs> you know, I mean, do you, do you play Fortnite? Do you do oh, Fortnite dances no. on TikTok? fuck no. Uh, fuck do, you have, no. do you have fidget spinners and Heelys? Uh, Not Heelys, but I did own a fidget spinner. Oh, I bet I bet you like pickle Rick, don't you? You fuck. <laughs> no, I hate that show with a passion. No, I'd love Rick and Morty if it was a if 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 the fan base was about a third it, of the size. It you know, ruined you know I mean? the show for me. You know, yeah. like seeing those videos of people like we want Szechuan sauce, re. Oh, the McDonald's video. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, could could you imagine if just every single Paul McCartney fan did the thumbs-up photo whenever they bought an album? Like, oh, no, guys, stop. Please, please don't do that. No, no. Everyone, you shouldn't be listening to either of us. Go listen to Talk More Talk. Those people actually know what they're doing. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them. I'm not going to say which ones don't. Not all of it's good. Um, a lot of Paul McCartney's work is bad, and you can hear me talk about that on my show. I, 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 I slag off the Beatles. I slag off Tom Waits on my oh, Tom yeah. Waits show. And I slag off the Beatles all the fucking time. Yeah, I mean, not not everything they did was I'm, good. I'm not a sycophant. No, uh, and I'm, I'm frankly sick of sycophants. And, you know, so, look, of course... In, in the way that you really shouldn't break down, oh, oh, which of Theo Vaughn and Joey Diaz and Joe Rogan's stories are real and how much of it is embellished? Don't try and figure out how much of my Beatle opinions is me slightly overemphasizing stuff for comedic effect. You know, the base opinions are still there. You know, I genuinely do think Let It Be is the best Beatles film, but I might defend it with a little more vigor than I might do in in reality, you know. Yeah. Um, and I know that Help is the best Beatles movie. Oh, but, oh no, but it's not though. It's oh, God. You get one oh. fucking film degree, and then suddenly <sighs> no one else is like allowed to like other movies. You know, um, it's like as Michael Caine says in uh, Italian Job, it's all about teamwork, right? Which means do exactly what I say. Oh, and national treasure. You're allowed to have Beatles opinions as long as they're the exact same one as mine. Yeah. I think that goes... 
like everyone thinks they have different Beatles opinions, but they don't. No, I mean, if 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 you if you anyone who thinks that you know liking Abbey Road is unique as your favorite album, you know, just just go and listen to the other nine thousand other people that have said, "Oh, it's the most modern sounding one." Blah, 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 the medley's great. That's been done to death. And, you know, absorbing as much Beatles podcasting stuff as I do, I sometimes get a little paranoid, you know, am I absorbing too much of it? How, what percentage of my opinions are my own? And, you know, how, how much of my content is me or like auto generating, but you learn so much. Like I've learned so much recently from Fabcast and another kind of mind or uh, BC, the Beatles did a fantastic pride episode for pride month recently um you know you know and then and then there are shows that have fallen by the wayside like a submarine that is yellow that i was really looking forward to seeing that take off and then just you know as with so many podcasts they just fall by the wayside unfortunately unlike this show which will go forever yeah, because there are so many Beatles podcasts that you will literally never run out of guests to have on. No. Oh, I don't just interview other Beatles podcast people. I interview, oh, yeah. yeah. You've, uh, you've had Bedford on and yeah. Scott Scott Erickson and stuff. Great, 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 great episodes, of course. But yeah. just the idea that there's not a, a shortage of Beatles guests, whether they host or, yeah. or just professional just book Beatles floggers. Fans. Like, I don't care if they're famous, well-known... As if you're a Beatles fan and you're passionate, you're eligible for the show. Oh, no. I mean, like, I've heard like, eight interviews with Chip Madinger over the last year. I'll hear another three. I don't give a fuck. I'll, gl- I'll g- gladly plug that same book again. Do it. Um, yeah, I guess I'll do my plugs then. Yeah. Uh, you, you can find me. Plug more plug. Plug more plug. Plug. Um, I host Paul or Nothing. You can just look that up on Google or whatever search engine. I don't know if people still use Ask Jeeves. I, don't know. Um, I, I checked. My friends and I wanted to ask Jeeves something, and Jeeves no longer exists. It's mm. tragic. Interesting. God, I am that old. Uh, although, I do remember seeing Spider-Man use Bing at one point, which was very funny. Um, <laughs> was, that, yeah. was that the same Spider-Man movie where he had the... Or he was walking through and giving people, like, the finger guns? No, it was uh, Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man 1, I believe. Oh. My, I actually, no, I was actually stuck in Liverpool for a, a, a whole day because my friend said he was getting the 9 o'clock train. So I got the 9 p.m. train and he got the 9 a.m. train. And I was I literally had to go to, like, two Beatles museums and go and see The Amazing Spider-Man just to pass the time. Which Beatles? Not, when was this? Oh, this would have been about six years ago. Okay, um, so there was just the Beatles story. Yes, and it's right next to the Slavery Museum in Liverpool, which is, again, another really fan- fantastic place to visit. It's quite near the Tate, which was the worst art gallery I've ever fucking been to. Um, the Liverpool History Museum as well, fantastic. Look, dude, if you if you drop me off somewhere and there's some museums with low to free costs for en- for entry... I'll see you at dinner time. Like that, that'll keep me going all day, hundred yeah. um, percent. But there has been a Beatles museum that's particularly uh, impressed me, shall we say? Mm. In the same way that there hasn't been a Beatles TV documentary that's impressed me, you know. Not impressed by the anthology. 
that that I don't that to me is propaganda. A, I've always loved it. Um, I've always loved the anthology, but oh, that's been because I, I've never had ready access to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, there's this illegal streaming site that I don't have to get like credit and an account for. I don't have to download anything. I, They're I, streaming it for free. Oh, I best watch it now, quick, quick before it goes. Last, MPL's on I, the sniff. Last year, I finally uh, bit the bullet, got a DVD copy of anthology. <laughs> My gosh. That's like, I mean, like, Tom Hanyardi's like, ha, that's nothing. That's nothing, boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I was at a pub quiz and Beatles tribute night, and the DVD copy of Anthology went straight away. The first raffle that went, someone took it, and I'm like, fuck, there's another fan here. What were the they, other prizes? Well, I had to go to the toilet, and I was like, Danny, I'm trusting you that you know what to get if my number comes up. And... He's not the biggest Beatles fan, but he knew he was loyal to my needs. And my ticket was called out whilst I was in the toilet. And he got me the anthology CD set instead. All three? Which was all three. Ah. Good lad. So for a £2 ticket, not bad at all, if you ask me. But yeah, my plugs. I'm going to get through it now before I digress again. Check me out. Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast on whatever search engine is still going, whether Spider-Man uses it or not. Uh, you can always drop me an email, say hello, warn me about a future album, or pick me up on one of my controversial reviews of a previous album at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Follow me on the Twitter, which is at McCartneyPod. Uh, I, I do a little blog where I release uh, blog posts and articles that I can't quite fit into episodes, or it's a place for me to write episodes for the future. Uh, I've just released one on a single-disc Egypt station and an article on multi-part or two-part, three-part McCartney songs. That's been really fun to put all of that together. Um, Find me on YouTube and Facebook with all the same methods, Paul McCartney Pod or Paul McCartney Podcast, Paul or Nothing, blah, blah, blah. And finally, you can always check out the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash McCartneyPod. I'm sure Ethan will take all the time in the world to put all those links I down will. below I will. on both episodes. But yeah, man, thank you so much for, for having well, me Now it's on. my turn to plug myself. Yeah, uh, definitely. If, you, if you've liked this episode, check out the YouTube channel. Or, if you prefer, we're now on Spotify, iTunes, uh, probably iHeartRadio by the time this gets posted, Podbean, all of, all of them. Wherever good podcasts are heard and some not-so-good ones. Um, yeah. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're on iTunes, please rate five stars. Smash that like button, Smash folks. that notification bell. <laughs> Leave Ethan a five-star review. Maybe even write something nice like I did on my break at work. So. Oh, you wrote me something nice? Yes, you will. You you should be able to to uh, to uh, see the review. I, I, don't, I don't check iTunes, so I will have to check iTunes. Oh, there's no greater rub of your own vanity than checking out your own iTunes reviews. I um, I, I had an ex that I broke up with, and either her or one of her family went onto my iTunes and went, really good podcast. Shame he couldn't put as much effort into his relationships. One oh, star. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's not even my most embarrassing Paul McCartney story, but I can't tell you that one on air, I'm afraid. All right, well, everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. You can go home now. Dance on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.